Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad you are here. Uh, it is so good to have all of you here in the room. Those of you that are joining us online, thank you. Uh, I can't see you, but you can see us, so you're good. Uh, but this was great. And graduates, let me just say one more time, congratulations to you. I'm proud of you. That is, it is a huge accomplishment and, uh, and my prayers are going with you and the whole church, as they had their hands out, go with you as well. And so we look forward to seeing what God can only do through you because he created you in a special and amazing and unique way. So thank you. Uh, it is good to be here and uh, celebrate that. So uh, I am a dad. A lot of you know that. I'm a dad. And because I'm a dad, I tend to like stupid dad jokes. Okay? I also tend to tell them from time to time. Now, what I'm not going to do is I'm not actually going to tell you any stupid dad jokes, but I do want to tell you some stupid Bible jokes here uh, this morning to start with. And so these kind of jokes, you understand, these are the ones that make you kind of chuckle and laugh a little bit, right? But really, let's be honest, most of them, they, they end with a lot of, uh, they're groaners, all right? Let me start with some groaners here this morning. Again, you might laugh out loud. You might think they're funny. That's awesome. Some of you, ah, you might not even get some of these, and that's okay, too. Uh, you can laugh. You can groan. You can just sit there and think, man, this is stupid, and uh, whatever you want to do is great. Uh, this is a safe place for you, even if you're wrong. It's wonderful. Uh, no, here we go. All right, so the first, uh, first joke is this. First question is this. What is one of the things that Adam and Eve did after they were kicked out of the garden? What's one of the first things they did after they were kicked out of the garden? If you think about it, you might come up with it. If you know the answer, just shout it out, right? But you know what they did? They raised Cain. You get it? They had two sons, Abel and Cain. Abel wasn't around anymore, so they raised Cain. Get it? There you go. I told you they were groaners. I heard a couple of you. Uh, I heard it. That was good. All right, let me give another one because that was awesome, right? What animal did Noah find it difficult to trust? Think about this. You might be able to get it. What animal did Noah find a hard time trusting? Anybody? He's either timid or you can't come up with it. I get it. I don't think I would have gotten it. The cheetah. Because he's a cheetah. <laughs> oh, I got a lot of groans on that one. That's what I was going for. Yeah, that one didn't disappoint. Circle that one. Keep that one. All right. Next one. What kind of man? You're going to have to think on this one. Some of you, if you're really good Bible scholars, you may be able to get this one. This one's, this one's pretty tough. What kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Hint, think about who he married. What kind of a man was Boaz before he got married? Huh? He was ruthless. That's right. You know why? Because he married Ruth. <laughs> but before, he was ruthless. Get it? Ah, oh, see, somebody got it. Good job, Ben. All right, two more. I'm going to only put you through two more. I'm sorry, all right? Here's, uh, here's the second to last one. Who's the first person to download something from a cloud to two tablets? Who is it? Moses. You guys got that one exactly. Now let me ask you this question. Who was the first person to throw down a tablet out of anger? 
Moses also, that's you, you got it, is the first one. When he came down, he saw the Israelites in sin. He chucked the Ten Commandments, and they broke, and God had to make new ones, all right? So here's the truth. All joking aside, the Bible is full of, well, stupid Bible jokes as well. Obviously, you can come up with plenty of stuff. But the truth is the Bible is full of amazing stories, miracles, love, forgiveness, grace, and amazing things. God's Word is full of everything you need, everything I need, everything we need to live life to the fullest, to the best. has everything we need. Now, that might sound like a tall order, but it is true. So what we're doing today is I'm continuing the series, FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions, by asking this question. How do I read the Bible? How should I read the Bible? How do I get into it? How do I dig into God's Word? Now, the reason we're doing this question, if I were to give you the number one question, the question that I get by far, it's not even close, by far the most of all of these questions that we've been talking about in the sermon series and any other question, this is the one I get by far the most. People ask me all the time, if I were going to try to start reading the Bible, where would I start? How would I do that? Because it's huge. I, I have no idea what it says. I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to read the Bible. It's not like a normal book where you start at the beginning, chapter 1, and then work your way through it. That's really, honestly, not a good way to do it. You can do it that way. There's no problem with it. It's just not a good way to do it. And so what we're going to talk about today is how do you read the Bible? How do you get into it? I'll be honest, today's message is a little bit different than no, most of my messages. Today we're going to get ultra practical. I want to give you four things that you can do today. Four things that you can do today to get into God's Word. Now, I do want to preface this. Some of you I know, I know you're in here and you're thinking, I don't know if I want to get into God's Word. Like, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm not sure if I want to read God's Word. I don't know if I believe the words in here. I'm not even sure if I believe in God yet. So maybe you're here, and you're, that's where you're at. If you're going to be honest, you wouldn't, you wouldn't probably raise your hand and be like, that's where I'm at, right? You're probably not going to out yourself that way. But some of you are in here, and honestly, you're like, I don't know that I want to read this. Okay? That's a fair, that's a fair place to be. This is a safe place. We always say that. If you're there, this is a safe place for you to be. That's fine. I just want you to let you know that I am starting this sermon with the premise that you should read God's Word, you absolutely need God's Word, and you should read and listen and memorize and study God's Word. So I'm already blowing past that, prep, that whole kind of, should I read the Bible? I answered that question last week. The question last week was, can I trust the Bible? If you want evidence, if you want suggestions on why you need to read this, last week is the sermon for you. I'm going on, I'm moving past that, and we're going to talk about how. How do we do this? The answer to should you read it, the answer is yes. The question is how. What are four things that you can do right now to get into God's Word? And now, this is why I'm going to do this. Okay? I, want you, I want you to think about these questions. If you were in a place in your life where you needed encouragement, where would you turn in the Bible? Do you know where you would go? The vast majority of people would say no. 
Because one of the questions that I get all the time, they don't ask maybe how to start reading the Bible, but they say, man, I just need some verses that will help me do this or help me feel this. I get that question a lot. Could you just give me some verses that will tell me about this, whatever that topic is? Would you know where to turn in the Bible if you need guidance and direction? Say, where to go to college, perhaps. What your next job should be. Picking your better friends. How many of you are really good at picking good friends? I'm sometimes okay, sometimes not. I've done okay at times. Where would you turn for discernment? Where would you turn for direction? Where would you turn for comfort? Where would you turn to to learn about how the world started? Where would you turn to learn about love, about forgiveness, about grace? Where would you learn to, you know, where would you turn for all of those things? Would you know where to go? If you're like most of the people in the world, your your answer to that question would be, no, I I don't know how to find it. If you're like most people, they're just like, "Uh, I feel like I should start reading the Bible. Uh, This looks like a good one. Sure. Let's start in Jeremiah. That's where I turned. And a lot of people just, they, they just flip through and they're like, God, show me where to go. Yep, okay. And then when you read, you're like, uh... I have no clue what I just read, right? Because we just pick a spot in the middle of the, it's like picking the middle of a book, any book, right? Right in the middle of the story, you're like, I don't even know who that is. You know why? Because you have to read about who it is first in order to understand what they're doing, right? That's not a good way to read the Bible either. So how do we get into this? Let me give you four suggestions on how to make sure that you can dig into God's Word. You can do all four of these starting today. All right, number one, you need to pick a translation. (laughs) You maybe never have thought about this, but this is really, really, really important, actually. You have to pick a translation. So to give you an idea, the Bible has been translated into different forms of English, translated in different ways, and I looked this up. The list of all the English translations is over a hundred of them. There's over a hundred English translations. That's just in the English language. Now, the Bible, the entire Bible, do you know how many languages we've translated the entire complete Bible into? Over 700. More than 700 languages we've translated the entire Bible. The New Testament has been translated into 1,500 languages currently. And by the way, we still have a long way to go, believe it or not. If, if we're going to have all the world's languages, we still have a long way to go. We're working on it. But 700 for the complete Bible, 1,500 for just the New Testament. Now, going back to the English translations, there's over 100 different English translations that we could read in English. So how do you pick those? How do we figure those out? How do we get into those? I want to talk about that. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the three translations that I use the most often that I like the best. Is that because Brent is the best at picking translations? No. I just want to give you somewhere to start. These three, in my opinion, are the most useful, the most helpful, and the most accurate. All three of those are going to be really, really important. Okay? The three translations that I use the most are the NLT, the New Living Translation, the NIV, the New International Version, and the ESV, English Standard Version. Now, that probably, to a lot of us, may not mean anything. 
Uh, by the way, this is one of those sermons, if you ever want to get into God's Word, if you've ever asked that question, this is the time for you to take notes. Not because I'm a good speaker, but because this is as practical as it can possibly get. You should not even have to ask this question again if you listen to this and do what these things are. Seriously. Pick a translation. Now, the, uh, all three of these translations, this is very, very important. They are literal translations. What does that mean? It means that the scholars who put these three translations together, their goal when they translated from Hebrew and Greek into English, they looked at the original Hebrew and Greek. They did not take a translation from a translation from a translation. They looked at the original Hebrew and Greek and they translated it as best they possibly could to stay true to the original text and what it would say in English. Now here's the problem. These translations are not perfect. The Bible is perfect in the way that it was written. It's perfect. But the translations are not perfect. For example, uh, I've made this, this kind of statement before. In the Greek language, how many words do they have for love? How many? Yep, some of you are showing me. They have four different words for the, the, the type of love. In the English language, how many words for love do we have? One. We say love. And I've made this joke before. It's true. I say I love chocolate and I love my wife, Laura. Those are not the same kind of love. I'm just saying. Let's be honest. It'd be weird if it was. Right? If I love chocolate as deeply as I love my wife, there's something wrong with me. All right? But all we have is the word love. In the Greek language, they have four different types of love. They have a love that's kind of like a brotherly love, like a friendship love. And then they have like the erotic love. And then they have the godly love, like the love that's unconditional, the deepest kind of love. They have four different types of love. And so when we translate, you know what we have to do? The English language only has one. So we have to translate the word love into the word love. Even though the Bible might be talking about a slightly different kind of love. Does that make sense? And so these translations are literal. They're very, very accurate. They're very good, but they're not perfect because they can't be. Okay? So let me just talk about this. The NLT is the most understandable. If you want the, the most understandable yet also accurate, I currently use the NLT for my personal study, for my personal devotions, all kinds of stuff. When I dig into God's Word, the New Living Translation is what I use. Okay? So that's just a suggestion. If you want the easiest one to understand, NLT is for you. Okay? The NIV is just slightly less understandable than the NLT, just slightly. Very good translation. It's actually the NIV is the one I grew up on. It's the one I grew up on as a kid, as a teenager. This is, this is what I lived on. And so if I quoted John 3.16 to you, you know what type it would come out of? It would be in the NIV version. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. NIV version. You know why I know that? Because that's what I grew up on. Okay? I can't quote it to you in the NLT or the ESV or the King James Version. Okay? Uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version, is a really good version. If you like, you're like, man, the King James Version just sounds so cool. Thou and art thou and ooh, yeah. Some of you like that kind of stuff. Some of you are like puking inside. I get that. 
If you like the King James Version, that's not a problem. The ESV is more understandable, more modern than the King James Version, but it doesn't go quite so far as the NLT and the NIV. So if you like something that's a little closer to King James Version, but still really accurate and a very good translation, ESV is for you, okay? So uh, also let me say that depending on what you're looking at, all those translations, depending on the word, the verse, one of those translations is better than the other one. Not all across the board, but at times. There's a reason why I don't always use NLT on a Sunday morning, because sometimes the NIV is better, sometimes the ESV is better. Sometimes the King James Version is actually better. But that's why I don't use just one, because they're not all perfect. Okay? Now, let me talk about another couple of uh, translations. Some of you are like really sad that I didn't put that on the, on the top list. I apologize. Okay? If you're a King James Version only person, I've met many of them. Some of you are maybe in the room. You're like, King James Version is the only version for me. Cool. That's great. I disagree, but that's great. All right? The King James Version is awesome if you like a version that is more like what you hear anywhere else. Like, for example, if, if people quote it in a movie, it's usually the King James Version. Because it sounds cool. It doesn't sound very modern, but it sounds cool. Right? And so if somebody quotes like the Lord's Prayer, it's usually out of the King James Version. Right? Uh, if you've heard Psalm 23 quoted, I've heard that a lot of movies being quoted, usually out of the King James Version. So if you like that kind of thing, it's a lot harder to understand, but it's also extremely accurate like the other three that I mentioned before. It's not bad, it's just really difficult to understand. You know what, you know what I find, you know what the one problem I have with the King James Version is? That there's so much loyalty to it. Again, I have no problem with that. But what it's caused is that a lot of people grew up on this because the church, the church, has said the King James Version is the only version. Any church that told you that is wrong. I'm just here to tell you that. They're wrong. You can send your pastor when you were five years old to me, and I'll, I'll talk to them about it, okay? I, trust me, I have these fights all the time. Uh, but, but they will tell you, King James Version only. You know what the problem is? I've had people in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s that are trying to been, they've been trying to read the King James Version their whole life because they've been told that that's the only one they should read and they don't understand a thing. And then I give them like the NIV or the NLT and I say, listen, just try this. And after a few days, they come back and say, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, because it's normal words. right again nothing wrong with king james version nothing wrong with thee and thou and all that stuff but i don't know about you i don't talk like that i don't know what a lot of the words in the king james version me i'm like that's english but it's not my english right again nothing wrong with it very accurate great if you like that kind of a thing if it's very poetic good do it okay the other translation that i want to talk about is the message the message version of the Bible is really good. It is. It's really good. It is the most easy to read, most modern language that you can possibly find, I think, at least that I found, as far as the translation of the Bible. Here's the only problem with the message. The message version is not a literal translation. It is not accurate. I'm just telling you, it's not accurate. It's good, 
it's just not accurate. Honestly, I don't read it very often because it, here's the problem with it. It is one person's view of how the Bible should be translated. One person. His name is Eugene Peterson. I have a picture of him. He's a real guy. There he is. Isn't he nice? Some of you are like, I want to read the Bible that he wrote. I'm not saying you shouldn't. He did a great job. Eugene Peterson is amazing. I have no problem with Eugene Peterson. He rewrote, what he did is he took the entire Bible and he rewrote it in his words. That's what the Message Bible is. That's what that translation is. He rewrote it in his own ideas, in his own language. And so the message is great for you to kind of like, if you're going through a verse and you're like, I have no idea what this means. Look it up in the message version and Eugene Peterson would be like, oh, that's amazing. I understand it now. Why? Because he's amazing. He interpreted the Bible, but here's what I want to caution you. If you use the message version, do not get your theology, your belief about God and your truth about your life from that version of the Bible. Because what you're doing is you're not getting God's word, you're getting Eugene Peterson's version of God. You shouldn't take Pastor Brent's version of God either. Okay? I preach every Sunday, just about, on God's word. That doesn't mean I am God, it doesn't mean I'm scripture. Please don't take my word for it. Check it out. Well, everything I say, if you're not sure about it, check it out according to this. Because this is scripture, I am not. Okay? Neither is Eugene Peterson, as amazing as he is. All right? So the message version is an amazing version, um, just not something that we get our accuracy from. Okay. Um, more than you ever want to know about translations of the Bible, right? But this is important. Okay? The NLT, the NIV, ESV, whatever you choose, pick a good one and an accurate one. Uh, for example, graduates, you probably already saw this. You have an NLT study Bible. In fact, I would encourage, when you pick a translation, add to it not just a regular Bible, but add a life application or study Bible. Now, it's going to be huge, graduates. You're going to work, we're working out your arms and your spiritual muscle at the same time, right? It's, it's going to be a huge Bible. I mean, look at these things. They're massive. The reason they're massive is because they have the biblical text, very accurate, but then they have a whole lot of other notes all around it. They're explaining the people. They're talking about, they're giving biographies of like Moses and where he came from and all this stuff. They're giving historical context. They're talking about why did the Jewish people do this? The study Bible will tell you. It's really, really helpful. I'm just saying, consider getting a study Bible. You will pay twice the amount for a study Bible than you will for a regular Bible. It's well worth the extra 20 to $25. Okay, well worth it. If there's anything I would consider to say it's worth investing in, it's God's Word, and it's a good version of God's Word. All right, so pick a translation. All right, these last three I'm going to go through a lot faster because that was a big one. That's kind of the foundation. you got to get the right translation okay, that works for you. Number two, you need to decide where to start. All right, got to figure out where you need to start. Uh, my suggestion is don't start at the very beginning and just start reading. Genesis will be okay for you. Exodus will be really good for you. And then you're going to get into some books that are going to be really hard rowing. Okay? <laughs> the next three books are basically lists of people, generations, and laws. How many of you like to sit down and read the local ordinances in your community book? No? That's what the next three books after the first two books are. I, I, just straight up, that's what it is. 
It's like, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not. That's the King James Version, by the way. Okay? So decide where to start. Let me give you a suggestion of where to start. Okay? Let me outline the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament is very simply this. It's organized this way. You start with the books of the law, first five books, books of the law. Again, Genesis, Exodus, not too bad. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, just a list of everything you have to do and not to do. Okay? Uh, history books come next. Woo! I love history. Uh, I'm all for that. Poetry, then the major and minor prophets. That's how the Old Testament is laid out. Then you go to the New Testament, last third of the Bible. Starts with a biography. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different people's perspective on the life of Jesus. Okay, that's what that is, very simply. Then there's a one history book, the book of Acts. It literally carries on from the first four books. As soon as Jesus ascends to heaven, Acts picks up the story from there of Christianity. It talks about how the church was formed, all those different things. Um, then the rest of the New Testament, minus the last one, are all letters. Letters written by people who are either with Jesus or talked with people who are with Jesus. And they're telling you how to live and how to follow Jesus. Okay? And then the last book, Revelation, is prophecy. The one that everybody likes but nobody understands. Whoa, let's dig into Revelation. You know what people do when they first dig into Revelation? The first couple chapters are like, yeah, yeah, no. Okay, I'm, I'm done with that one. I promise. It's gonna, you're going to be like, I, this is so weird. I have no clue what it says. There's beasts, and there's a woman, and there's a crown, and then there's plagues, and there's all the I don't, uh, judgments. What's that? I don't, I don't know. And it's all over the map. But it's prophecy. It's talking about things that are going to happen in the future. Okay? Now, let me give you an even quicker summary of that. The Bible is very simple, this. The Old Testament points to the four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points back to Jesus. So here's my suggestion of where you're going to start. If you want to start reading the Bible, this is where you start. You start with one of the gospels. You start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's really simple. Why? Because it's the whole Bible's purpose is to talk about Jesus. That's it. And you're like, well... Jesus' name isn't in the Old Testament. Nope, but it's all about Jesus. I don't have time to get into all that, but it is. Okay? The New Testament, it's all pointing back to Jesus. It's talking about what Jesus did and who Jesus is and how we need to follow Jesus. Everything goes to Jesus. And so, start with the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. In my opinion, John's the easiest to read. If you want to start there, John's the easiest to read. But either gospel that you start with, it's really simple. Here's a suggestion. Start by reading one chapter per day. It'll take you five to eight, maybe ten minutes. If, like me, I'm a really slow. I, can, I comprehend things pretty well, but I'm very slow. Very slow. Laura will tell you. She's shaking her head right now. Very slow. My husband is very slow. Right? I'm very slow at reading. I'm very slow at just about everything. Now, so it might take you ten minutes to read one chapter. Read one chapter a day, and guess what? In less than one month, you will have read an entire gospel book. In less than four months, if you keep it up, you will have read the entire gospel in less than four months. The entire life of Jesus from four different perspectives in less than four months. Really easy. Simple. Okay? All of the gospels are less than 30 days if you read one chapter a day. Okay? So that's just a suggestion to get you started. Now, 
If you're here and you're like, man, you need to talk about all the good stuff, like why the Bible was written and how it's organized and all that kind of stuff. If you like that, let me just highlight this. We did a series last week, or last, last week, that's hilarious. Over a year ago, January, February 2022, called Puzzle by the Bible. When you go to our website, look for this, okay? What we did is we walked through the entire organization of the Bible, how the Bible's organized, what it says, what it does, and where, how it all points to Jesus. We went through that whole thing several weeks long. If you really want to learn more about the Bible in a really deep way, that's the sermon series for you. Okay? Go back to that. Eventually we'll come back to something like this, but uh, we did that all, just a little over a year ago. So look into that. All right? Okay. Number three. You have to pick a translation, right? You have to decide where to start. Number three, this is very simple. You guys get this. Make a plan and get a rhythm. You have to be intentional about it. Here's what I find most people do. I kid you not. This is going to sound silly, but this is what most people do. They're like, well, man, I've been hoping to get into the, into the Bible. You know? And they're, they're like 20 years old or 30 years old or 50 years old. And I'm like, you've had a while. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying, right? We will only do what we make ourselves do. You have to actually just do it. You have to do it. I know you don't know where to start. I just told you, by the way. I know you don't know which translation to use. I just gave you some hints, right? I know that you don't have time. Let me just tell you this. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? Let's be really honest. You're never going to have time. Like, it's never going to happen. And by the way, if you wait till retirement to start reading the, the Bible, not a good idea. By the way, when you retire, you're not going to have time anyway. <laughs> you know what you fill it up with? Making sure your lawn is perfect, apparently, at least based on what I'm seeing. Laura's looking at some of these yards. I'm serious. She's looking at these. We saw a bunch of them because everybody's on it, you know, this, this season. And she's like, oh, they're yard. And I'm like, they're retired. <laughs> and then we see another one. She, I'm like, they're also retired. And I said, by the way, our yard's still not going to look like that when I'm retired. <laughs> Because I don't want to spend that much time on the yard. I'll do something, but I'm not going to do that, right? So the truth is you're never going to have time to get into God's Word. You know why? Because you're never going to have the time. You have to make time. How much do you care? What you give your time, your energy, and your focus to is what you care about. I, just, I don't care what you say or what you say you want to do. That's true. right? It's true. So if you're not reading God's Word, it clearly is not a priority in your life. That's it. That's it. I don't want to be harsh. I'm just telling you the truth. We have to make a plan. Get a rhythm. For example, ask yourselves these questions. When do I want to read God's Word? Does it work to read it in the morning? Does it work to read it at lunch? At night? Okay. How many of you are read the Bible at night, people? I'm just wondering. Okay? few of you, you guys are awesome. You're warriors because you know what I do when I try to read the Bible at night? Uh, my Bible gets wet. You know what? From drooling on it. I'm serious. Like, I'm like, uh, uh. 
How many times have I tried to do that at night and I, I wake up about an hour, hour and a half later and I'm just all kinked up, right? And I'm, I'm late. Uh, oh, I got to move the Bible. And then I turn the light off. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to sleep. Because like one in the morning. That doesn't work for me. That's awesome if it works for you. Good. I love that. Some of you are morning people. You're like, first thing in the morning, I'm going to start with God. And that's awesome. I love that. I try to do that. Man, I'm not good at it, but I try to do that. If that's for you, good. Some of you, let's be honest, you're not a night person. You're not a morning person. You're like, mm, I'm kind of 10 to 2. I've heard a lot of people say that. You're like, oh, I'm kind of a 10 to 2 person. That's my prime time. Cool. Read God's word in your prime time. Like, get it done. That's good. When, how, where should you read God's word? Don't read God's word at the kitchen table at, from between 2.30 and 3.30 if you have kids coming home from school. Right? That's just not going to work. You're going to be distracted. Pick a time. Pick a place. Get away. Just tuck yourself in a corner. Make it quiet. Get into God's word. Okay? By the way, here's another thing to think about. Are you going to read God's word physically, like out of a physical Bible, or are you going to do it on an app? Okay, a lot of people, I, I read the Bible about a third of the time I read it on the app. About two-thirds of the time I read it out of an actual physical Bible. Okay, either one is fine. Just decide what you're going to do, what works for you. The problem, of course, with this is everything else that's happening with this. If I'm reading God's Word and all of a sudden, ding, somebody, somebody texted, oh, cool. Oh, really? Yeah, I want to do that on Friday. This is going to be great. And all of a sudden, God is like, <laughs> secondary thought, right? That's the problem with this. But it is good because you always have this, and you have some minutes in the middle of your day. This is great. In fact, let me just give you this. If you choose the Bible app, uh, I'm going to show you this. In fact, we have a picture of it. Type into your app store, version, Y-O-U version Bible. version Bible. Best app, in my opinion. It's purely my opinion. It'll look like this. Okay, that's the icon that you're looking for. It's called the Version Bible. Has all the different translations, English translations that I was just talking about, just about all of them. And you can choose whatever one you want. You can read the Bible on the app. But here's what's really cool. In fact, let me see if I can get this to work. Um, yeah, I've got to go there. Okay, perfect. Um, so I took a screenshot of this on the Version Bible app. When you go to the, to the verse, and you can kind of see it. This is, these letters are in red because obviously Jesus' words. If you look at the bottom of that screenshot, you see that little triangle? All you do is hit that, and magically a narrator starts reading the Bible to you. And, and by the way, yes, it's like, yes, and God said. You know, in fact, let me, let me try this. I don't know. This is probably going to feed back, but let me, let, me, let me give this a shot. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus Ooh. went up on the mountainside and sat down. How cool is that? Right? That was literally, that was like that verse, because I'm still on it, because I had to screenshot it earlier this week. Right? And so it's still on there. The Bible app is amazing. If you're driving and you just need to get God's word into you, Put that on instead of whatever trash we're listening on, whatever, you know? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm listening to a podcast. All kinds of, they're good. They're fine. Podcasts are fine. But sometimes I should just have God's Word. I listen to music about a third of the time. I listen to podcasts about a third of the time. And then 
eh, it's maybe not quite a third, but another percentage of the time I listen to God's word being read. It's really, really good. Figure out how you're going to get into God's word and how you're going to get God's word into you. You have to be intentional, though. I've never heard a farmer say, you know, I've, I've been wanting to get around to planting those crops. I'm just hoping in the, in the fall that they just kind of, that they happen. That would be dumb, right? We all know that was like, that's silly. You know, man, I, I've really been hoping to get in better shape. Uh, and I, I'm just, my couch is awesome and these potato chips are amazing. And so I'm just going to sit here and eat them and just hope that I get better. We all know that's not going to work. Why? Because we're not doing anything about it. If you know that God's word is important and that you should be listening to it, you have to take the time to figure it out. Get a plan, get a rhythm, and stick to it. It's the only way to do it. All right, number four. This one's really, really important. You need to pray. Before you read God's word, ask God to show you something to do something for you, to encourage you, to comfort you, to change you. While you're reading God's word, ask God to change you. After you've read God's word, ask God to change you. Ask God to speak to you through this. You know what these are? These are God's words, and he will speak to you. I promise you that. It may not happen the first time, the second time, third time. It may not happen in the way that you want. But what will happen is all of a sudden you're going to be reading something and a word or a phrase or a verse or a thought is going to hit. That's God. That's God using his words to give you words. These words are life. They're life-changing. But the promise is that God says, if you ask me, I will show you. God promises that. You don't receive because you don't ask. Ask God to show you his will, his glory, his salvation, his love. And he will be faithful to do it. Pray and ask God to use these words to change you. All right? Let me just finish with a story. So when I was in high school, um, the church that I was at, yes, my dad was the pastor. A lot of you maybe didn't know that, but my dad was the pastor at the church that I went to. Uh, so my kids get the same treatment. They're like, oh, mom and dad are involved in everything at my church, you know, and that's how it was. And so my parents were highly involved. But at the church that we were at when I was in high school, we did not have money as a church to pay a youth pastor full-time or part-time. And so we had a volunteer there's a gal named Annette. And let me just tell you that if there's anybody that is saintly, she is one. I mean that. Here's what she did. She volunteered her time to be the full-time youth pastor at our church. She would actually lead the youth group on Wednesday nights, sometimes on Sunday. She did missions trips with us in the local community and elsewhere. We would go to do VBSs at other churches. Like there was once a church that burned down in Nebraska. Their whole church burned down. And so she said, we're going to go there and we're going to put on a VBS so they can rebuild their kids' ministry. We did a whole long week-long week, week VBS, just our youth. It was literally just teenagers and her and like one other adult. And she organized and led the whole thing. All volunteer. She's amazing. So when I was in high school, I was getting ready to graduate. She handed me a Bible with my name on it. She had had the name printed on it. This is how amazing she is. 
And then she said to me, she said, I see the next Billy Graham in you. I was like, you know, at, the mo- at that moment as a teenager, you know, I don't know if I was like, yeah. <laughs> or if I was like, uh, no, or what I thought. But I just remembered that really sinking in to say, whoa, that was a big statement. Let me just say, I am nowhere near Billy Graham's status. Billy Graham is amazing. He was unbelievable in the amount, tens of thousands of people that he led to Jesus. Incredible. But here's why I tell that story. She handed me that Bible and she said, I see the next Billy Graham in you. This is a time in my life when ministry for me was not on the radar. Yes, I was a pastor's kid, but understand that ministry was not on the radar for me from a, from a life profession career standpoint. And so that was a seed that was planted. Those words and some other people's words and then God's word changed the trajectory of my life forever. Without some of those words, I can promise you I would not be here today. This church would not exist because God would not have called me to plant it. It would have maybe been somebody else or something different, but it would not be this. These words, by the way, I brought that Bible that I got 30 years ago. This thing is falling apart. It's got a paint smudge or something on there. I don't even know where that came from. I've got notes in there. See, there's a paper with some notes in there. Uh, I've used this Bible for the better part of 30 years. Still has got my name on it. Hasn't rubbed off yet. It's cool. Annette gave me this and spoke words into me that changed my life, even though I didn't know at the time that they would. My question to you is, are you willing to let these words change the trajectory of your life? Will you allow these to adjust who you are, where you're going, what you're doing? My hope, my prayer is that you allow these to get into you. The only way they're going to change you is if you start reading and listening to them. You've got to get into this on your own. Sunday's not even close to enough. Do this for you on your own. God will change your life. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have given us words of life, words of truth, words of transformation. But the only way that we can hear those words and be changed by those words is if we actually allow them to get into our heart, into our mind, into our soul. God, you know I know you know right now, you can look down and you see every person in this room who reads your word on a regular basis. Those of us who read your word every now and then, and those of us who never open a Bible, we just never do it. 
God, I pray that you would remind us that these words are life. These words are change. These words are transformation. These words are love. Love from you to us. Transformation from you to us. You want to speak life. You want to speak encouragement, comfort, peace, joy into us. But you also don't want to leave us the same. You want to change and move us, mold us and shape us more into who you are calling us to be. Help us to listen to your words. Help us to obey your words. Help us to follow your words. Because we need you. Help us to believe in you and follow you. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.